0: One ghost, two girls, one ghost, and we are your holiday spirit ghostesses. That's Corinne, the ghosts of Christmas past. Ooh, that's Corinne, and I'm Sabrina, and we are in the holiday spirit. Here we are. If ever there was spirit, it's upon us. It is here with us today. We are it's in here. It. We are possessed by it.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm surrounded by snow. Here in New England. <laughs> and clothes, because
0: you're in your closet.
1: Yeah, I'm home for the holidays, which really I've just pretty much majority of 2020 lived at my parents' house in Vermont. And I'm in the closet because it's better sound in here because it's a little muffled. And also this is where I do therapy, as in ah. I I go to therapy. And I'm the also, closet. I hide in my closet while I talk to my therapist.
0: <laughs> and Corinna is going to do a fashion show for me while she tells us all her yes. stories. Actually,
1: all behind me. Ironically, although I am the oldest child and the only female, I have my brother's hand-me-downs, so I (laughs) wear all of his sweatshirts and shirts that don't fit him anymore. I'm (laughs) wearing one right now. Vermont basketball. Vermont basketball. Hmm. Once upon a time. Oh, and look at that. It's CYO, so uh, Christianity, Ah. Catholicism, St. Nicholas. Wow.
0: (laughs) Even more (laughs) in the spirit. Even more in the spirit. I'm not sure if my brother even like ever went to church. He just played on the basketball team. There was a church basketball team? Yeah. I don't really know how it works. I didn't pay attention, but. Wow. There was one. I played basketball once. Broke my thumb. You did? Yeah, I played because I didn't get into the musical. I didn't get a role my freshman year of high school. So my other friend was playing basketball. So I decided to join the basketball team and I was terrible. Basketball is not my thing. I'm better with, yeah. I was a soccer and lacrosse girl.
1: Yes, we were lacrosse together. We were lacrosse girls I agree together. with you. I wasn't a basketball person either. And I think beyond the sport, what really bothered me about basketball was how much you have to pivot and stop yourself and you're on like a wood. Your sneakers make an awful squeaky yes. noise, and it's just the whole game is just like squeak, squeak,
0: squeak, and like breathing. And I yeah, I hated and it. And the shorts, the just the shorts were really, really uncomfortable and not flattering on my body. Mm-mm. Not yeah, made. For I,
1: me. I'm there. It's fun for other people to play. <laughs> not fun for us to play.
0: And on our holiday episode, we are going to talk only about basketball. Only <laughs> basketball, you know, winter sports. <laughs> <laughs> I did play ice hockey. That was that was my exciting endeavor. But I did get a concussion in practice. Oh, oh no! Were you actually on an ice hockey team? Yeah, I was pretty good. Or did you just play? No, on an ice hockey team. Wow, it was fun. As much as the locker room smell, whenever I. Smell that smell. I get like such nostalgia to the ice hockey days and like wrapping your your shin guards with tape and tying up the laces.
1: Mm. It's good fun. Whenever I think of hockey, I think of one of my friends who played growing up. She was hit by someone who was from the opposing team and had quite a bit of height and pounds on her. Oh, no. And she peed herself in all of her hockey gear. She was basically just squished into the side and peed. Oh. I mean, I always think about that. That sounds pretty miserable. Yeah. You know how many
0: layers you have to take off to like finally feel relieved of your pee? That's what
1: I... Yeah, that's what I was thinking (laughs) about. So gross. And hockey equipment already smells so bad. So bad. Yeah. Yeah. But now that everyone's home for the holidays or... If you're like my family, we're FaceTiming and Zooming all of our relatives that normally we would be with. What I'm doing. Everyone should ask for crazy stories. I feel like everyone's been, we keep <sighs> yes. talking about this, like we've all been in our homes. We've had time to think about things. We've had time to experience things within our walls. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm really craving some ghost stories from people, some newly discovered ghost stories.
0: Yes, Around the table, around the Zoom, around the Skype, whatever you decide yes. to use. Tell ghost stories.
1: I actually heard not a ghost story, but one of my coworkers. She told me that her mom had a Ted Bundy run in back in the day.
0: Oh uh, what?
1: Yes. I feel like so many people have stories, which just makes me think, damn, Ted Bundy was so active. It's crazy how many like could be, would have been yes. almost victims there are out there. But, uh, her mom grew up in the Pacific Northwest and was at a gas station and this man approached her and essentially was just trying to tell her that her tires were deflated or something was wrong with her tires, and was essentially trying to like coax her out of the car and was like, "Oh, I'll help oh, you no. like just come come look at this and kept trying to get her out, and she was like, "No, I'll just uh, the, I'll tell the gas attendant, yeah, and she was just like, "Why would I you're a random person no i'll if I need help I'll tell the person who works here at the gas station who probably knows. A bit more than you. And was super like, okay, cool. Thanks, dude. And wasn't getting out of the car. So finally, the guy just like gave up and walked away. And then I can't remember if it was two weeks or two months later, but within a short period of time, she saw on the news that it was Ted (gasps) Bundy. Oh, my gosh. Yes. She survived. Yep. She survived. See, those are the types of stories you, you need to get from
0: your family. Yeah, I need to hear them. What's that statistic well, I don't know why it sounded like that coming out of my mouth, but the st- statistic, and now I can't say it, about like everyone, pa- like in your life you pass, I can't remember the number, X amount of sociopaths or psychopaths. Oh,
1: I, wasn't it like two or something? Like you'll have met or passed or interacted with like two serial killers in your life. Something, something like that. I can't remember. Looking it up now. I'm pretty sure the statistic was listed out in the book titled Serial Killers that I believe you gifted me. And I should remember the stats because I've read the book three times. Oh, I can't find it. Someone out there will know.
0: Yeah, tell us. Help us. Help us. What are what are your holiday traditions, Corinne?
1: Well, it'll be a little different this year, but usually Christmas Eve, we drive around the neighborhood, we look at all the lights. Oh, cute. Also Christmas Eve, we used to open, my brother and I would each get to open the present present, sent to us by our Aunt Susan, who lives out in mm-hmm. San Diego. So it was like the the aunt who lived far away that we never got to see in person. We always got to open her gift early. Oh, And then Santa would come to my house Christmas Eve at some point when we were getting ready for bed and leave new pajamas <sighs> on my bed and my brother's bed. Wow. Yes. And then Christmas morning, we would just... Oh, and we always, always, always watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, like
0: the old That's movie from good like 1960, 1920. I don't even Wait, remember. Wait, oh my gosh. Okay, so Nick and I just watched the documentary, the holiday movies that made us about Elf. And My brother keeps talking about that. Yes. Elf is like, a, they basically were so heavily inspired by that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer movie. And like the yeah. costumes and the North Pole are all very, very similar to what they look like in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer.
1: Which makes so much sense for the beginning scenes of Elf, because it yeah. very much has that feel, you know, like when mm-hmm. he goes and the narwhal's there, my body, hope oh I find Yeah. Buddy. Yeah. It's so Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are my traditions. And then Christmas Day, we usually would have traveled to relatives in New Hampshire, but now obviously we cannot.
0: But yeah, that's what we do. What do you,
1: wow. what do, you do?
0: We would, on Christmas Eve, and this year, unfortunately, Nick and I are... In Los Angeles, and we'll be creating our own new traditions this year. But mm-hmm. So Christmas Eve, we would go to my aunt and uncle's and cousin's house in Pennsylvania. We'd do the whole traditional seven fishes Italian dinner. But right. obviously, I ate baked ziti because don't eat fish. And it wasn't until like last year that I realized that we were doing that seven fishes tradition. I was like, I didn't even know. I had no idea. <laughs> Just
1: so ingrained. You guys don't have to speak about it. Yeah.
0: But then we would always watch... With our cousins, we would watch uh, The Christmas Story, A Christmas Story, because it was Mm -hmm. on the 24-hour loop. We would watch that. And then we'd go to Midnight Mass every year. Midnight? Oh, my gosh. So late. Oh, my God. We had to give Santa time to come, you know, leave presents.
1: That is so late. My (laughs) bedtime is like 9.30.
0: I feel like this year now, my my bedtime will be (laughs) 9.30. Wait, so as a kid, you'd go to Midnight Mass? Mm Mm-hmm. See that's fun I think when you're little cuz you get to you get to stay up stay up past your bedtime I feel like half the time we'd fall asleep and then Christmas morning we would open our stockings first and then we would do presents. And then all of us, I mean, as a kid, I wouldn't do this, but we would all like pop a bottle of champagne and like make a big breakfast and look at our toys or whatever we got and then start prepping for dinner and make a big, massive dinner.
1: So fun. Mm -hmm. You talking about stockings reminds me of when my dog was alive and he always got a stocking and he was always so excited to open his stocking.
0: We always did his stocking first. Leia has one and it is stuffed. She has the most stuff in it. (laughs) <laughs> Leia's spoiled she's a little spoiled kitty
1: um have you seen any new christmas or holiday movies there's so many that have come out within the past couple years i keep seeing everybody talk about jingle jangle
0: on netflix so i need to watch that oh, one Oh, i haven't seen that one i watched um the emma roberts holiday it was kind I of corny. not seen that one i feel like now they're so it's so saturated with holiday movies that and and they're all fun to watch because it's like tis the season, but they're mm-hmm. all very similar or a little corny.
1: Okay, well, I have a suggestion. I'm sure oh. I told you last year to watch this one, too. But it's on Netflix. It came out last year. Klaus. K-L-A-U-S. Klaus. It is so good. It's Whoa. animated. And it's essentially the story of how Kris Kringle, of how Santa Claus came to be. Klaus. Great fun. But it has a lot of inspiration uh, from like the Nordic region. It really just spurred a lot of research from me on the other end. Like I watched it and I was like, this is so great. They're tying in all these like different cultures and things that happened oh, that's cool. into the story of how Santa Claus came to be. But also it just it makes you start researching like that area and people's traditions mm-hmm. and their culture. It's really great. Oh, it's so good. I just rewatched it <laughs> the other day.
0: Oh I'll watch it. Now you're gonna make me want to procrastinate writing my script right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Well, speaking of Klaus and the origins of Santa Claus and where all of you know the legends come from and who who he is and who where he came from, mm-hmm. Santa Claus is not the only holiday being out there. There are more, and if you're familiar with a famous Christmas song, it goes a little bit like this: He's making a list, he's checking it twice. Gonna find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. But truly, be good. Because if you are not, bad things are coming. If you're good, Santa will come to town and bring treats and gifts and pleasantries alike, but if you're naughty, you won't just get coal for Christmas, you'll get the wrath of the holiday demon Krampus. (laughs) So, as December approaches in European Alpine countries, children have been taught to be on their very best behavior. It's been instilled within them through fear, because they've been told the horrors that will befall them on the night of December 5th should they misbehave. Because on the night of December 5th, in the cold of winter, St. Nicholas embarks upon a journey up into the mountains to a labyrinth of cavernous tunnels that house hairy, sharp-horned, yellow-eyed, fang-ridden creatures called the Krampus. St. Nicholas stands at the mouth of the cave, staring at the monstrous beings, and scans them for prowess, strength, and fury, until he finds his Krampus and he picks one amongst the many. And that one, that Krampus, is chosen to accompany St. Nicholas on his journey into the towns and homes of the good and bad little girls and boys. Once he's satisfied with his choice, St. Nicholas and his chosen Krampus march back down the hill. St. Nicholas with his bag of toys, treats, and gifts for the good boys and girls, and Krampus with his thrashing chains, bundles of birch to whip and punish the children who are deemed naughty. And as they come down the mountain, the children around town prepare for St. Nicholas by getting their boots by the door, hoping they've been good enough to receive gifts and treats and not the terrible alternative, a slashing from Krampus. As they snuggle up in bed and fall to sleep, dreaming of sugar plum fairies, St. Nicholas and this new trusty assistant Krampus make their way into homes and decide the children's fates. Were they good this year or were they bad? If they're good, St. Nicholas will unpack his sack and leave treats and gifts in the boots by the door. If deemed bad, St. Nicholas tells Krampus, you know what to do. And he steps outside as Krampus climbs the stairs, tramples through the hall, his chains banging against his sides, reaching for the naughty child's door. He pushes his way inside, a sneer on his lips, his lizard-like sharp tongue slithering out like a snake. And he finds the misbehaved child, and whips his birch branch at them, leaving lashes and painful marks on the child. And sometimes that's the end of it. But sometimes Krampus decides the child was particularly awful that year, and he'll rip them out of their bed, out of their slumber, and throw them inside his own giftless satchel and bring said child to hell where he'll be punished for eternity. Eternity! (laughs) Eternity! Eternity! Echo, echo, echo eternity so happy holidays from krampus (laughs) this is horrifying (laughs) so what's the lesson that we are supposed to learn from this story and that children are supposed to learn from this story behave and be good be good little children or face the wrath of the christmas demon krampus and who is krampus exactly where did he come from and why does he do santa's dirty work well krampus dates back to pre-christian alpine tradition and is believed to have started in austria and Bavaria long before the formation of Germany as a country. Krampus eventually spread to Northern Italy and Hungary. And then as of more recent, Krampus has become popularized in the US thanks to social media and entertainment because he's been featured in TV shows and movies. He even has his own movie called Krampus. (laughs) And the word Krampus is derived from the German word krampen, which means claw. And that's probably his name because of his appearance. He is a demonic creature with a goat-like appearance, bearing large horns, cloven hooves, and dark hair with a long snake-like tongue hanging out from his sharp fangs. He has origins in the pagan celebration of Winter Solstice, but the details of what his ties to Winter Solstice is are kind of unclear and I don't think very well documented. Uh, Some people believe that Krampus represents the horned god, which is a popular figure in witchcraft. And that his birch rods are a throwback to ancient pagan initiation rituals. And others claim that Krampus is the son of the Norse god, Hel. And as Christianity spread through the world, Krampus started to become associated with St. Nicholas and eventually with Christmas. There's a day called St. Nicholas Day and that is celebrated on December 6th. So as the story goes, and it's very similar to Christmas and how we celebrate Christmas. Like, you know, on Christmas Eve, Santa's coming through the world and delivering presents at the evening, at night, while you're sleeping. And then you wake up on the 25th on Christmas to your presents. So, very similarly, December 5th is St. Nicholas Eve, and December 5th is the preparation for St. Nicholas. You put your boots by the door. Mm-hmm you hope that you're a good little boy or girl on the eve of December 6th, you find out, or are you good or bad? And in the morning, you either wake up to treats in your boots or uh, slashes on your back. Or maybe you're no longer in your bed and you're in hell. I don't know. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So Krampus travels with St. Nicholas and he arrives on the evening of December 5th. And like I said, kids will place a shoe in front of the door or their chimney at night. Some will place a carrot in one shoe for St. Nicholas's horse. And then the next day, the kids check to see if a present is in the shoe. Sometimes, if the child has been misbehaving, they're lucky enough to not get whipped, but they will find a bundle of twigs inside their shoe instead of treats. Some schools actually invite St. Nicholas and Krampus to visit the kids. And each kid has to shake hands with St. Nicholas and disclose to St. Nicholas whether they think they've been good or bad. If they think that they've been bad, Krampus will chase them around the school. It's playful, but it's a very like, Krampus is coming to get you. (laughs) And I know the story that I told makes Krampus sound very evil and dark. Yeah, But Krampus is following the rules of justice. You know, St. Nicholas is the one who brings Krampus down and is like, you know, there's a balance in the world. There's good and evil and there's good and bad. And while I give the good children their treats, the bad children need to learn their lesson. So Krampus is just following the rules and he's doing what St. Nicholas is telling him to do. And he only comes after children who misbehave. He's never seen attacking innocent children. People believe that Krampus is obedient to his master, who is St. Nicholas, and he wears chains, which symbolize his enslavement. And in many stories, he only appears when and where St. Nicholas tells him to be. So he's never found on his own enacting some evil plot or plan on, on all people. It's just... He's always with his trusty St. Nicholas. And people have compared them to Batman and Robin, that St. Nicholas wouldn't be the equivalent of Batman without his sidekick, mm-hmm. Krampus, who is Robin.
1: Yeah, you're making me think that Santa Claus is the embodiment of both St. Nick, St. Nick, Santa, and Claus. Krampus puts the claws in claws. <laughs> so it's one guy representing two yeah. conflicting Exactly. Beings.
0: In our traditions, Santa Claus will leave coal for bad kids. You know, in these Alpine traditions, it's, you know, they're two figures. And I think in a lot of the research I was doing, it made me think that like St. Nicholas is supposed to be this like heroic entity that people look up to and are excited about. But if he was punishing people the way that Krampus was, it would give him a, a different look.
1: Right. He'd be less of a saint and more of a god or goddess. I feel like yeah. in mythology, that's so frequent where it's these ancient deities that you kind of worship, but also fear. instill a lot of fear yeah. and kind of are battling with themselves in a way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So as time passed on, the Catholic Church tried to ban Krampus and wipe him from from existence. And for years he was suppressed because they thought that he was too close to like a demon and the Catholic Church didn't want that rep for St. Nicholas Eve or day. But no one puts Krampus in a corner, not for long. Because over the years, Krampus has returned, his legend lives on, and on the night of December 5th, his story is told and children are warned. And over time, people have created Krampus Carton, which is Krampus greeting cards for the holidays, and they depicted Krampus sneaking up on children about to be punished, or Krampus toting a sack full of naughty kids with the words, greetings from Krampus. And... Corinne, I sent you a Krampus card because I thought it was the most ingenious Christmas (laughs) holiday card I've ever seen. And Corinne and I are considered inspired because next year, I'm now picturing us having a full on photo shoot. I will fly to you. We will do it. And we're going to have someone dressed up as Krampus. Maybe Nick, maybe Brian. We'll decide. Maybe we'll have two Krampus. I don't know. And we're going to do a photo shoot and we're going to make holiday Krampus cards. (laughs) I
1: love it. I know you sent it to me and I was like, I'm obsessed. I don't need need to know the backstory. I don't need to know what you're planning on doing. I just really love what you sent me. But now
0: you have the backstory. Now I have the backstory and I'm into it. So people would send these greetings from Krampus cards to their friends and family and we're going to do it. Everyone should do it. Yes. Genius. Remind everyone to be good. Yes. <laughs> and in places like Austria, Germany, Hungary, Slovenia and the Czech Republic, they've actually began celebrating Krampuslauf, a.k.a. Krampus Run. And this, Corinne, I feel like you would thrive on this evening. It's called <laughs> Krampus Run. And basically on the night of December 5th, men, women and children, but mostly drunk men, dress up as the devilish Krampus creatures and run through the streets. Just like loose, run, run loose, run wild. And they chase children and they like chase people who choose not to dress up for it. And it just sounds amazing and fun. And just people just running around having drinks and goofing off and scaring people in hairy monster costumes.
1: It's so great because you get to see all the different personalities of Krampus, you know, one might be hiding, one might be running, one might be focused on the snack bar. You don't know. Exactly. Which Krampus are you going to (laughs) get?
0: And sometimes I have even, you know, enjoyed this celebration so much that it doesn't just happen on December 5th. It's like the entire week leading up to December Mm -hmm. 6th. It's just Krampus running amok.
1: (laughs) That's freaking amazing. (laughs) I would love to go to those areas, too, because not only are some of the best and grimmest and wildest fairy tales derived from like Austria, Germany, all that region. But they also have the best Christmas markets. Oh, yeah. I need to go. I love a good
0: Christmas market.
1: One day we'll go and we'll bring our Krampus costumes with
0: us. <laughs> and that's when we'll take our Krampus greeting cards. <laughs> Live from Germany, it's two <laughs> girls, one Krampus. Oh, my God. I'm so on board. <laughs> that's my New Year's 2022. Wish. 2022. <laughs> we'll do it then we have to oh my gosh wow i do wonder
1: i'm curious about kids who grow up in that area because i think there are so many stories if we look at fairy tales if you look at cinderella one of the darkest fairy tales yeah her eyes got plucked out people were being turned to stone very scary but it makes me wonder if those if krampus and stories like that have also been diluted over time to be a little bit more appropriate for kids or if they're Mm. still getting the original fairy tale like over here we get a a disney version
0: but i wonder if if you grew up in any of those places in those countries let us know what did you hear about krampus growing up that's so interesting that's a very interesting question
1: i know i'm just picturing like little old grandmas with their kids making them cookies with their grandchildren and then being like You're going to be beaten by
0: grandmas. Just so scary. I'd be scarred. I'd be like, I don't want to go to grandma's anymore. She scares me. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah, I would have been terrified if that was a story that I was told as a child, because I was already terrified of the tooth fairy. I was like, why is she coming into my room? (laughs) Why is she she getting so close to you? How did she get under my pillow without me knowing? Invading personal space. You've never been about it. I have not. You're right. No. I think the tooth fairy is why I sleep in like lo- like heavy long johns. I'm like I can never sleep nude. I never know what fairy is coming into my pillow, room. blanket covering your
1: head, just fully,
0: fully, closed. fully hidden.
1: Yeah, I would be confused. I think as a, as a kid because I'd I'd be so excited for the gift that Saint Nicholas might bring me, but then at the same time be completely terrorized. Yeah, <laughs> the thought that maybe in that same night that I'm hoping for presents, I get dragged to hell for eternity. <laughs> yeah. That would not be fun. You have to be really sure of yourself and your behavior throughout
0: the year. Yeah. Also, I wonder what what is deemed bad for Krampus and St. Nicholas. Right. Mm-hmm. Because there was, I was listening to the Mythology podcast and they did an episode about Krampus. And they, in the episode, they were talking about a kid who like stole candy from the candy drawer when they weren't supposed to. And Krampus was mad about that. And yeah, I just wonder what the behaviors, what what is right. what qualifies as bad.
1: Because that's just giving in to a temptation at a young age, which is sometimes you can't, you haven't developed the skills yet to... You don't need to be struck by birch branches for eating chocolate. No. I mean, I myself can hardly say no to
0: sweet. Exactly. Like self-control. It's never really been mastered Oh no! Is Well, okay. December 5th has passed. So I think we're in the clear. But I was like, what if Krampus comes and visits us?
1: I don't know. Alrighty. Eek. It is the holiday season, and Christmas celebrations are in full force. Your family hung wreaths, and together you strung fairy lights and decorative baubles around your tree. You wrote a letter to Chris Kindle, and are hoping for some sweets and some presents from St. Mm. Nick. You think you've been a pretty good kid, and so you've nothing to worry about, right? And so you go to bed each night, nestled into the warmth of your sheets in your home along the German Alps, Excited for the festivities and hoping for a few gifts. But as you start to drift off to sleep, you get an odd sensation that you're being watched. And so you open your heavy eyes and you look across the room. A woman appears at your door, crone-like, with a large beaked nose that reminds you of a bird, an owl. And you remember what your parents told you about birds and bad omens. Your heart sinks into your stomach. Your hands hold your blanket with a protective grip. The intruder's nose, covered in warts, is hardly what catches your eye. For behind her, hanging on her back, is a basket of screaming young girls. The woman steadies herself with a large, lengthy staff. A staff that still has a few fibers stuck to the top from use on a spinning wheel. Her clothes are tattered. A twinkle of metal shines from a hole slit in her skirt. A knife hidden (gasps) beneath her clothing. The young girls scream. And the woman, unbothered by them, looks to you. The woman, you know, is Frau Perkta, the Christmas witch, the goddess. Sometimes called Berkta, Bertha, Sprintstrudenfrau, which means the spinning room lady. But the one nickname that you hear most from your friends at school, from the television, from your parents and from your parents' friends, is that Frau Perkta is known as the Billy Slitter. What? But you've been a good child all year. You haven't been lazy. You've helped your parents. You've done your homework. You've done your chores. You've done everything that's been asked of you. Or so you thought. Because maybe there was that one time and, oh, there was that. It doesn't matter. There's no time left to think about all the things you've done wrong over the year. Because Frau Perk does here. And she has come to punish you for being bad. She has come to slit your belly.
0: Oh, my gosh. And I thought Krampus was scary.
1: <laughs> I know. Slit your belly? I read this to my brother and I was like, I'm trying to set a scene. What do you think? And he goes, Slit your belly? What's she looking for? Stroop waffles or something? What is her goal? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, This is awful. Yeah. Pretty gross. And actually, she's she's compared a lot to Krampus. So she's from the same region, kind of goes hand in hand with those uh Christmas time Yule figures. But we're probably wondering. How the heck did Frau Perkta come to be? This is quite disturbing. Well, accounts of her date back to around year 1200 as part of the Austrian and Bavarian tradition, which eventually bled into German tradition as as Germany came to be. And then in the 1800s, the Grimm brothers popularized the tale in one of their fairy tales. Mm. And it started with Frau Perchte acting as some sort of goddess. She was some mythological being. Uh, she was pagan. She was a collector of fallen souls, demons. They would protect her during attacks from those who didn't understand her and her tribe. And her name, Perkta, is associated with the Twelfth Night or the Twelve Nights of Christmas. And on the Twelfth Night, which falls on January 6th, it is the Feast of the Epiphany in Christian tradition. And it commemorates the night that baby Jesus was given gifts in the manger. And so Frau Perkta was a Christmas figure. She was associated with not only paganism, but eventually Christianity. Um, Mm. And she is often compared to Krampus and stories of her have evolved over time, eventually landing on her being this sort of boogeyman type of figure. Earlier accounts told of Frau Perkta as a woman who focused on household tidiness, especially when it came to weaving, which is why she carries that staff. So on the 12th night of Christmas, January 6th, she would come into your home and she would see if you had spun flax, specifically the women. She would see if you were lazy or if you'd finished your weaving for the year. She just really wanted to see where you were at and it better have been finished. And she would become quite irritated if you hadn't finished all of your weaving for the year. And likely she would set fire to any unfinished fibers. And in addition Whoa. to that, if she noticed that you didn't finish your weaving and also looked around and was like, "Ugh." This is a mess in general. This person is not keeping tidy, not taking care of their house. You would have really pissed her off. She needed a tidy home. The tidy home sparks joy for her. Mm -hmm. And if you did not have one, Perkta would become enraged. She would run into your bedroom as you slept. She would disembowel you and she would replace all of your guts with straw and rocks. What? Yes. Other legends tell of her Perkta going on a wild hunt each year. And she would fly through the sky on the last few days and nights of Christmas. And the depictions of these lost souls who accompany Frau Perkta, they look a lot like Krampus. They're horned, they're terrifying, hooved, Mm -hmm. beasts. They're very much Krampus style. But if you would hear the thunder roaring in the mountains on the last few days of Christmas, you would know that it was actually Frau Perkta and her army leading the Wild Hunt, which is an event in folklore involving a bunch of paranormal and mythological figures. And yet, another variation of Frau Percta is kind of similar to Krampus and St. Nicholas, is that she's not entirely evil, but she's a little bit of both good and bad, kind of battling herself and the images of herself changing over time. So, another nickname for her is Halla or Bertha. Halle is H O L L E. And this is a winter goddess whose name means shining or bright. And it's in reference to the star of Bethlehem shining bright. And the hollow version of Frau Perkta is that she's so beautiful. She's so pretty. She's so kind. She's powerful. She was worshipped by the Celtic and Germanic tribes. And she worked really hard to protect people. She would protect women and children. She had a really big love for babies. And she would protect them in the afterlife and in normal life. People would tell tales of their crying infants in a room. And suddenly the infant is soothed because... Hala would show up and nurse the child in the middle of the night and take care of this baby. And she was just so powerful and so loved. And she would protect the forest. She would protect the wildlife. She would guide all the newly dead souls into the afterlife. And she had long hair and a white dress. And she was often referred to as a lady in white. Ooh. Her feet also were that of a goose. And sometimes she would appear in the shape of a swan. And so, in fact, it's suspected that Mother Goose, she may be the original Mother Goose, this Mother Goose figure, as she has goose feet and all of these kind of ties into birds. So Hmm. it sounds pretty great, right? But how the heck did this woman, Hala, turn into Frau Perkta? Yeah. Uh, Christianity. The Christian church, they did not like paganism. And so they spun all these new tales of this goddess instilling fear in those who believed in her as good and recruited. The goal was to recruit more people into the Christian church for protection from Halle Frau Perkta. And so tales of Frau Perkta still appear as both good and bad, kind of contradicting themselves at times. But more recently, Frau Perkta has evolved as a way to keep children obedient. Perkta would come into their area on the 12th night of Christmas and slit open their bellies or stomp (laughs) on the children. Would misbehaved. She would slit their tongues if they were dishonest children with a shard of glass.
0: Oh my god. So
1: quite grim. Yeah. And with her, the girls in the back were the souls of unbaptized girls that she would carry in this basket. So there were a couple things you could do to protect yourself from Frau Perkta, aside from keeping a tidy house. (laughs) So (laughs) to avoid angering Perkta, even if you haven't been bad or or you've kept a very tidy and clean, orderly home, you can try to bribe her with foods. Mm, as as too. is with me. Yeah. <laughs> will work for food. <laughs> she especially loves porridge. I prefer something that's not porridge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but she really likes porridge. And so a lot of people will set out as sort of a tradition, they'll set out a Another helping of porridge on the 12th night of Christmas, just in case she makes an appearance. Hmm. And if your porridge shows signs of disturbance in the morning, then you'll know that she has been appeased. She was like, cool, Mm -hmm. I am fine here. I'm going to eat the porridge and leave. And if you're a child and you find a silver coin, you'll know that you're in her good graces for one more year. She liked how you behaved and she wants you to keep it up. So this year... However you choose to celebrate the holidays or whatever you're capable of doing in your region or whatever religion you might observe, be sure to keep your space tidy. Look out for others because Frau Perkta is watching
0: you. Remind me not to get on Frau Perkta's bad side. Right?
1: She kind of reminds me a
0: bit of you had covered last year,
1: Gryla from Ice. Flint. Yes. And she has a whole army of of these like trolls and fairies and figures that accompany her and, and help her. Her like children. Yeah. And and this is, is kind of similar. Why are there so many dark holiday spirits? I don't know. And I don't know why it's gone to the extreme that it is either yeah. with who they are and what they do. Because, I don't know, you think if out of any night of the year, Halloween would probably be the one where all of the bad stuff comes through. Uh, yeah, I guess are so. disemboweling others and striking their backs with birch trees and, and what have you. But... It's on this day where you're supposed to be excited and there's supposed to be love and warmth and you're with family. Holiday cheer. Holiday cheer. Hallmark movies or whatever we've chosen to
0: to spin it into. More like holiday fear. Yeah, holiday cheer turned holiday fear. And I feel like similar to Frau Prakta, how you were saying she has a lot of similarities to Krampus. I feel like there are so many... Other entities that kind of have all been inspired by one another, like there's Bear Snickle, which is the one that was in the office where Dwight comes in as Bear Snickle, <laughs> who very similarly has very similar roots to or connections to Krampus, mm-hmm. but kind of, you know, has his own tale, his own story. And I'm sure there are hundreds more. Yeah, it's really quite disturbing. And and it's actually surprising, too, how many come from the
1: same region. Because my assumption was that, you know, there might be like one figure associated with this one period of time for each area. You know, Japan might have one, Germany might have one, Denmark might have one, North Africa region might have one. But there's so many coming
0: from this one area. Yes. It's wild. It makes me wonder, were there a lot of bad children? Like, were people misbehaving? Or was it just a good way to teach lessons? Similarly, do we have tales that are more recent or new that we use to teach lessons? Or or has our society become more of the participation trophy generation, where we're like, <sighs> yeah. everyone is good. There's no need to punish
1: I don't, I don't know, but it's, I've been watching on TikTok a lot of videos on training your dog (laughs) and it kind of reminds me of when you train your puppy not to bite, you're not supposed to punish them for biting or teething because it's not a, it's something that's so innate in them, it's natural. So it hasn't been learned that they weren't supposed to do it. So you're not supposed to punish them, but rather you're supposed to teach them in an alternative way to behave. And I feel like, I mean... I don't have kids, so I'm not going to pretend to know and anything. You
0: also don't have a puppy, so I love to watch puppy. But I have TikTok. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning stuff there. Although I did see when I was researching Frau perkta that um some of the variations of the stories changed over time, especially in the era that witchcraft was really feared and paganism became this sort of ostracized practice or belief. Mm-hmm. And so I think they really were trying to make everybody behave and everyone fearful of right. of these figures so that they'd be completely in line and super obedient and not doing anything at all that could possibly have a finger pointed at them for
0: witchcraft that or, makes or whatever sense. it may be. But it's definitely scary and off-putting. And I feel fortunate yeah. that I did not grow up with all of these terrible, terrifying tales. Right? We already had ghosts in our house. Did we need more? We didn't need any more. We already <laughs> had some demons deep within.
1: <laughs> ourselves in our basements.
0: Also, to be fair, I was also a very obedient child because I was terrified of just misbe- I was just- I just listened. I had a fear of authority. Yes. I, I think of you when a stranger
1: is past me on the street now because I just picture you diving into bushes as a little kid hiding. <laughs> that was
0: me. I really did. I really, really did. <laughs> Poor- like, I'm just thinking about it. I didn't live on a busy road, but like any car- any car that drove by, I would hide.
1: And I'm in my driveway. It's the fear of the
0: unknown. You're being, you're protecting
1: yourself and that's good. The irony in this is that you have gone to so many lengths to protect yourself from people and from things out on the street that could get you. And yet you're begging these otherworldly beings <laughs> that we know nothing
0: about. Okay, begging is you. not not the correct term <laughs> and other really beings that i know nothing about i am asking my grandmother and i asked her like twice no, i'm talking about alien abduction oh <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can't deny that you've said it too okay. many times yes, on your podcast right.
0: i can't deny that yes <laughs> i also it's funny because i wonder why i have such bad social anxiety and it's like oh because i'm afraid of literally everyone except for aliens yeah but even them, i fear you got to fear everything a little bit, right? This is why I go to therapy. It's fine. The gift of fear. <laughs> the gift of fear.
1: Until it's debilitating. And then then, then it's, yeah, then you got to talk about it. But yeah, yeah. it's Good there for a reason. Things. It's there to protect you.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you for uh, diving into my deeper psyche today.
1: Thank you for joining me. You're welcome. I'm completely unqualified.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Listener stories. Mm-mm. Okay. This is from... Carlia and it's called portal to hell question mark. Hello, long time listener. I love your podcast and thought it might be time for me to turn in some of my own stories. I'm from the Midwest and one of your early podcasts about Salem inspired me to visit. It was one of my favorite trips I've ever been on. So thank you so much for that. My story is kind of long, but here we go. My parents' house is slightly haunted. I say slightly because nothing violent has happened. But everyone in my family has had encounters. Let me start with a strange little background on this house. When I was little, my mom had a friend over who claimed to be a psychic. My mom was changing my sis on the dining room floor when her friend said, no, I would not do that, and went on to explain that our house is a portal to hell. This portal is shaped like a tornado, and the higher up from the ground, the wider and the weaker the pole to hell was. She said this portal was the strongest in the storage room in our basement, decently strong in the main floor, and weakest in one of the bedrooms upstairs, which happened to be my room. All these rooms were stacked up on top of each other, and she went on to say that we had at least one spirit in the house who must stay upstairs because if the spirit stepped onto the main floor, it risked being sucked into the portal." Now, I'm a believer in the paranormal, but that story seems a little out there, even for me. However, there might be some truth to it because almost all experiences we ever had took place upstairs. We would see shadow figures, hear footsteps, and there would often be an uneasy feeling, especially in the bedroom above the dining room. That bedroom was mine until I went away to college, and then my younger sister took it. We both believe that room was the most haunted room in the house. And I like to consider myself to be a logical person for example, shadow figures might be a flick of the eye, uneasy feelings late at night might just be anxiety, and any knocks on the walls and footsteps down the hall might be because the house is old. However, I had two distinct experiences in that house that I cannot explain away. The first one includes a doll. One Christmas, my parents got me a fancy nutcracker doll after I had been in the Nutcracker Ballet. Due to it being sentimental, I decided to keep the Nutcracker on my shelf year-round instead of putting it away with the other Christmas decorations. I put it up on the corner of the top shelf overlooking my bedroom. Several months later, I noticed the Nutcracker is turned away from the room facing the back corner of the shelf, and I thought, huh, that's a little strange. But I chalked it up to my mom dusting or something, and I remember thinking, if it was her dusting, it's very unlike her not to put things back how she found them. But whatever. I climbed up on a chair, stood on my tippy toes, and put it back the way it was. I leave my room and come back a few hours later to find the doll is turned back into the corner. Its face was turned back into the corner exactly how it had been the first time I saw it. I thought, oh hell no, and noped that doll right off the shelf and into a box with some Christmas decorations. My sisters were way too small to move something that high up, and my mom swears she didn't touch it either time. I absolutely believe her. The second one includes a Ouija board. This happened about 10 years ago. My best friend and I were really into spooky stuff and we were into ghost hunting, TV shows, scary movies, and I even planned on having my upcoming 13th birthday at a haunted murder house in a few towns over. My mom had a Ouija board and let us use it and she told us the rules. One, don't let the planchette move into a figure eight. Two, always say goodbye. And that's literally all I knew about them. I guess me and my mom were both oblivious to the whole Ouija boards are a bad thing. Anyway, me and my friend went into the dining room to try it. And it worked. We were asking questions like, how old are you? Where are you from? What's your favorite color? Literally stupid, innocent children questions. But whenever we would ask the person's name, the board would go to the letter Z and then to A, then to Z, then to A, over and over until we stopped it. We figured, okay, maybe this ghost just wants to be anonymous. We would just move on and ask more questions. And I wasn't scared of the board at all at this point. I thought it was so cool and so fun. We continued to use the Ouija board for the next several weeks, and the board would never tell us its name. Always just Z-A-Z-A-Z-A-Z-I-Z-A, sometimes fast and sharp like we would be pulling our hands around. I mentioned above that my house was mildly haunted and harmless spooky stuff happened all the time, but lately I had been hearing knocks in my closet. That was new. My friend knew about this and asked if I wanted to ask the board what was in my room, so I asked, do you know what has been making the knocking sounds inside my closet? And the planchette quickly moved to yes. I felt my stomach drop. And this was the first time I felt afraid using the board. Fear washed over me. And I suddenly realized I did not want to know what was making the noises in my room. I quickly said goodbye and never used the Ouija board in the house again. Fast forward to my later teenage years when using Ouija boards were in a lot of scary movies and YouTube videos. And I decided to do some research. And I remember the first time I read about the Ouija board demon Sozo, who also sometimes goes by Zaza. My stomach dropped as I put the two together. We hadn't been talking to a ghost that wanted to remain anonymous. We had been talking to the Ouija board demon for weeks. I was so glad we stopped using the board when we did because who knows what would have happened. Being a logical person, I get so frustrated when people don't believe my stories because I believe these absolutely cannot be explained away. I know you guys will appreciate them and believe me. Thanks for hosting this podcast. It's lots of fun. Stay spooky, Carlia.
1: Man, oh man. As soon as she was saying Z A Z A, I wasn't really thinking Zaza, but I was just thinking the repetition
0: Uh of
1: letters is also just attributed to Zozo. So very scary, very creepy, very spooky. And then I was thinking about the appearance of this demon on the Ouija board, and I was like, hmm, I wonder if maybe that had something to do with the Nutcracker. If there was some darker force that was kind of already residing in the home. But then I was thinking, if I were a spirit and I saw, I mean, Nutcrackers can be pretty and they can be festive, but they can also be creepy, especially out of place as a year round decor. So some people might be like, that's amazing. And other people might be like, dolls freak me out. And so if I were a spirit, I might be like, all right, I'm just going to face this. So it's not looking at me Just keep (laughs) turning it. Maybe it was
0: just harmless and someone was freaked out. Yeah. I was also thinking, Based on Carlia's first story about the psychic who came to the house and said the portal is in like kind of the weakest in her bedroom or what was her bedroom. It makes me wonder if the spirit was trying to turn us far away from that portal, you know, Mm -hmm. because it still was in her room. And like if spirits Mm -hmm. were afraid of being sucked into that portal, would they avoid her room or would they like dance kind of around it?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Oh, man. I don't portals know.
0: to hell are so interesting too like i guess i always imagined it being like oh this is a portal to hell so like demons and stuff can come out of it but the way that it was that the psychic explained that like no it's actually sucks spirits into hell right it's such a fascinating way that i'd never seen it that way or heard of it that way
1: it makes me wonder too how you can get out you know because the portal makes it feel and sound like it can go both ways there's both an entrance and an exit Right. So I wonder how similar to people on the astral plane kind of bouncing between maybe different dimensions or different planes or whatever, if you could, if there's some way that spirits know to get out of mm. hell or like a specific portal that's bad, whether it be hell or, or something else.
0: It reminds me of um in the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which sadly is no longer with us in their most recent- It's recents, not? No, they canceled it. <sighs> I know. But in the most recent season, he seemed so distressed. <laughs> so, like, Corinne, like, put her palm, the back of her palm to her head, like, oh, I feel faint. faint. <laughs> but they did in the most recent season, Sabrina had to go to hell to like, retrieve some things. And there was a portal to it. There was, like, a very specific way they had to get in and out. And they, had, they were timed. They couldn't get stuck there. So, yeah, I wonder.
1: Mm certain moments when it opens right like in halloween town <laughs> wild okay this is called actually you'll really appreciate this title it's beginning to look a lot like krampus oh it's from vanessa hi ladies i've just started listening to your podcast and i've only listened to a few episodes so far but i love it well i hope she's still with us because this was <laughs> august of 2018 so you have me so creeped out love it <laughs> I've had so many paranormal experiences in my lifetime and also suffer from sleep paralysis, so I'm full of stories to share. I find those experiences where you don't realize what is happening right away the scariest experiences, and so I just have to share this story with you. It's Christmas Eve. I'm five years old. Best night of the year. Right. Think again. I was sent to bed, and I was told to go straight to bed. (laughs) Yeah, right. My room had a big window with a beautiful view of the homes in my small town. It's very nice at Christmas to see all of the houses with the Christmas lights and... With the Christmas lights on, and of course to look and see if you can spot Santa and his reindeer. And that is exactly what I was doing. Standing in front of my window, trying to catch a glimpse of Santa. I was the first one sent to bed since I was the youngest child. So my two older brothers, along with my parents, were downstairs. I suddenly felt like I was being stared at. I was filled with dread, and I did not want to turn around. I considered just screaming for my parents. But then, they would know that I wasn't in bed like I was supposed to be. So I take a deep breath, I turn around. And there, standing just outside of my door, was a tall man with horns and funny legs staring right at me. I gasped, and I quickly ran into my bed, covered my head under the blankets, and waited, shaking with fear. I thought it would come into my room and get me, but nothing happened. Eventually, I must have just fallen asleep, and by the next morning, five-year-old me didn't care about one thing that I saw anymore, and I only cared about the Christmas gifts. (laughs) <laughs> in my head, I worked it out to just being my dad wearing a Halloween mask and scaring me because I was breaking the rules and was out of bed. So fast forward. I'm 22. I'm visiting with my family at my parents' house. Note, this is not the same house the experience happened in. And we're sitting around the table after dinner talking about funny things that we all did together or pranks we pulled on each other. Picture the typical, remember when you did this conversation conversation. As laughter is wearing off, I say, hey, dad, remember at the old house on Christmas Eve when you put on the Halloween mask to scare me because I was out of bed trying to (gasps) see Santa? I was laughing, expecting him to own up to doing that. But to my surprise, everyone at the table was no longer laughing. They were just staring at me like I was crazy. I would never do that, my dad said. And I let it sink in for a minute. And yes, it makes a little bit of sense that my dad is not that type of person and he would not scare a child like that. So in turn, to my brothers, I said, so it it was you then? They shake their heads. No, they both say. And yeah, that makes sense too, because they were not tall enough at the time to be as big as a thing that I saw, even if one of them was on the shoulders of the other. In fact, my dad wasn't even tall enough. What the fuck did I see then? In that moment, I realized that I saw a full body, full detailed demon. It was not in the shadows or in a black figure. I saw it, hooves to horn and all of its colors. I only did see it once and never again, but this moment was more scary to me than the moment that I saw it. The moment I realized what I'd actually seen and experienced.
0: The whole That's time you part. were just talking. I'm so sorry. The whole time you were just talking about the fact that she's realizing it, your audio was like so warped and
1: <gasps> Don't tell me that I'm demonic. in a closet right now. This oh yeah, is the scariest place <laughs> it could be. Oh my God. Ugh. Check you behind me. The small closet so what
0: if like hands reach out from behind you and just pull you sabrina into Narnia? oh my god
1: no. <laughs> i'm sorry i'm now like turtled and i'm full double chin like you're not gonna get my neck <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm disturbed
1: all right fast forward another few years i'm at my job and i'm chatting with my bosses we somehow got off topic and on to ghosts and i tell them this story they're looking at each other and kind of smirking at one another They ask me what it looked like, and I tell them, like one of those half goat, half people creatures, hooves or feet, horns, demonic face, skin was reddish tone, lots of body hair, big, big horns. They laugh and they say, you saw Krampus. (gasps) I had never heard of Krampus before. I'm pretty sure they were yanking my chain, and I'd never heard of a Christmas demon before. They were just trying to get me going, right? So we all run to the computer and we Google it. And there I sit. And there it is, staring at me in the face, the thing that I saw when I was five years old in the bedroom doorway. Oh, my gosh. Needless to say, I was thoroughly freaked out. Yeah. Luckily, though, I only saw it one time. On a lighter note, another Christmas ghost story I have is that every year in the weeks leading up to Christmas since my grandmother's passing, I hear her clearly say my name. I confided this with my parents, who also report her calling their names around the same time of year. My family's had a handful of questionable experiences with less than friendly things from the other side. But since the passing of my grandparents, they've gotten less and less frequent. Thank you for your time, ladies. Keep it creepy. Love, Vanessa.
0: Wow. Okay. Vanessa, you saw Krampus. Krampus! So is Krampus just going around with Santa Claus now to make sure kids are in bed? And if they're not, he scares them? Maybe. Maybe it was like...
1: I don't even know. I was thinking maybe the first stop, because other kids weren't in bed, so they shouldn't have been there anyway. Right. I'm just thinking of, you know, maybe they're at another house and Krampus can see far and wide and he spots in the glowing moonlight of the window, this little girl looking little into little the child. sky and he's like, hmm, I'm just going to go visit her for
0: a second. Saint Get Nick won't bed. know. He's
1: inside. I'm outside. I'll just disappear for a quick sec.
0: He's a little a bored. Little he's trip. like, I I need some work to do. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Vanessa, you don't have to tell our whole podcast crew, but where were you when this happened? Where in the world? Yes. Please, please at least tell us that. We won't tell Tell us. (laughs) It will be our little secret.
1: Thank you, promise. (laughs) Man, oh man. I mean, the neighborhood she grew up in sounds beautiful. I'm picturing like a true like Swiss Alps little Christmas village with all Uh. the dusty snow on the rooftops, looking out on this hilly plain. Everyone has... A bunch of lands in between the houses, the and then she'll she'll things. email us
0: back and say it's like New Jersey. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ten minutes outside of Chicago. <laughs> yeah, wow. But still, and I love that her grandmother comes to visit every year around the holidays and has kept the darker spirits at bay. Right. I know that's really lovely. Just kind of, it makes
1: me wonder if if there's some actual intervention there where they're kind of like, no, you can't come through or they're actively stopping them, or if it was more of this protective shield that they just put over their whole family that is just continually strengthening over time as people believe in it more, like like little bell during Christmas. Ah, I love that. Yeah.
0: Real ah. life Krampus sighting. I'm I'm scared. <laughs> I want to know if other people have seen Krampus because I was even looking up when I was doing the research, I was trying to find real life Krampus sightings and it was very, very difficult. Like I couldn't find any.
1: Well, here's our call to our listeners. If you're Please. like Vanessa and you've had an experience that could be Krampus,
0: email us and let us know. Tell us everything. As I was researching Krampus, I was like, I wonder if Corinne's going to start forming a crush on Krampus because he's kind of like your your. I don't not have a crush on Krampus. Let's be clear. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: this is why I need to go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> What's happening? Oh, you're I'm just more like intrigued by Krampus than a uh, scene. Yeah, let's just leave it at that. um Email us your stories. Our Please. email is two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com
0: And just as a note, if you've made it this far and are still listening, we are taking the next week off as our one week hiatus that we take every year. But we'll be back. We'll be back January 10th to haunt your your life and your nightmares. Whatever you want us yes. to haunt, we'll be there.
1: We'll we'll be there for you. And if you could be there for us, that would be great. You could rate and review us on <laughs> iTunes. You could tell people about us. Word of mouth is huge. And we also have updated our Patreon. So 2021 is going to be filled with many more perks and things. There's already been a couple of things happening on our Patreon in the past month since we've updated it. But videos will be included. So if you're ever curious about the seeing the double chins as we went <laughs> all of these stories, you can see it there.
0: Yeah. And that brings us to our thank you section of this podcast where we say thank you to our editors. Thank you, Eric Foster and Brooke Foster at Upfire Digital and your whole team. We're so appreciative of you editing our podcast. And we will see you on
1: the other other side. side. And next year. And next year. See you next year.
0: Hey. bye. Bye. Very smooth.